0: Tuesday night, day earlier than usual, back with the future cast. I am Cody Carpentier. You can find me on Twitter at Carpentier NFL. And with me, my main man, Andy Milnick. You can find him on Twitter at FFDataKing. If you haven't before, come check us out on Twitter, TheFutureCast, at The underscore FutureCast. And if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, subscribe, maybe click that Join button, join the Underworld Army. Get all the goods from the Underworld every single day with the Codebreaker yesterday, the Mind to Mansion tomorrow, Sonic Truth on Fridays, and every day is Draft Talk during draft season here at the Underworld. But today, I just got back from Liberty to watch the good old Malik Willis Pro Day. And boy, was I excited. Uh, Andy, were you able to watch or see any clips on the good old Twitter of Malik Willis today?
1: I did, yeah. I actually liked a lot of the throws that he had. A lot of deep bombs. uh, Seemed to be right on target. Like, talking 60-yard bomb, it looked like. I mean, you can't really tell from the yardage from where they start to where they throw the ball, but it looked like a good 60-yard bomb. Is that what you saw on your end? He was awesome the whole day.
0: Every phase when we got there, um, he was on the field early, and then we went to the weight room, and there was, I believe, like 15 guys competing today. And as they weighed in and did their measurements and all that stuff, Malik comes in, he weighs 6 pounds heavier than he did at the Combine. He came in at 225 pounds. Same height, everything like that, uh, but they announced early that he would not be running, he would not be jumping, and I was kind of sad by that. But then I thought about it, and I was like, this actually kind of makes sense. And we alluded to this in the pre-show. Pre-show was like, we we saw the the Vegas numbers come out during the combine where they projected him to run a four three nine, and when you think about it, it's kind of the inverse of Isaiah Spiller and Kyra Williams. Like, people are expecting him to run a four three nine, and what are the odds that he actually runs that? Nothing. Like, there's no chance he's really going to run a 4-3. and He's literally just not physically built like that. He's got massive calves, massive legs, massive body, but he's more compact. We know he's fast. We know he's bursty, but he doesn't need to prove that to us. We've seen it on the field day in and day out. So if he comes in and he runs a 4-5-0, oh, all it's going to do is disappoint people. So what we know is he's fast, he's quick enough. And now three consecutive events, the Senior Bowl, the Combine, and the Pro Day, his throwing has gotten better and better. He had a little slump at the combine, but people, it, it it course corrected today at the pro day. He had 72 pass attempts, and from beginning to end, it was fantastic. Even before they went live on NFL Network, he was throwing, and for people at the combine, the at for people at the pro day, and he was just giddy to throw. I believe it was like I looked at on my phone at 12:47, and he was ready. He was like, "All right, let's go, let's get going." And his quarterback coach had to take the ball from him. Because he was ready to start his throwing workout because they had national TV there. So it's like NFL Network's like, oh, 1 o'clock, we're going to go live. And 1.07, uh, we're going to tee it up for Malik. And Malik's like, bro, I'm ready. We're 20 minutes early. He's like, I'm ready to throw. But anyways, fast forward into his throwing. The throwing, like you said, everything was spot on. And people want to say, you know, it's the pro day. it's throwing against air. But they did make things. they, They worked things in where, you know, he would take a snap. He'd roll back. He'd be looking one direction the whole time. And then he'd look the other direction, make the throw. Boom, quick, quick, quick. They had um, they had one designed pass rusher where he'd come in and like swipe at his legs so that it would be an off balance sort of like we've seen from like Mahomes in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Remember when he was laying like net, like flat ninety degrees in the air throwing? Like he got those different angles, and so that was a really cool thing to see was him make those throws and then see those throws come out with that full like he did not miss a hitch. Like I'm talking the the, the arm strength that Malik showed today was uncanny. The, you know the accuracy and the downfield shit was awesome, but between you know the five and the fifteen yards of depth, everything was was spot on and top notch today, and that really is what what made me come away happy. Because early in the process, I loved Malik. I loved him a year plus ago, but it was known this guy needs a year and a half, two years plus, uh, to get ready to, to start in the NFL because he's out routes. He's struggling with out routes, consistently struggling, and now he's making those throws easy with tons and tons of power. So I I just my takeaway is I'm just overall I'm happy where we're at. I'm happy with the moxie he carries himself with. I'm happy with the the smile he has. A smile everywhere he walks. Uh everything's about everybody else, the teammates, he's happy about his teammates. It was just an overall very very good experience for me um seeing him seeing him react like that and and just talk to the coaches all day. So very good experience on my on my part at the Liberty Pro Day today.
1: What what have you seen? So like you said before, you've seen him in three different spots, right? You see the Senior Bowl, you saw him at the combine firsthand. Now you've seen him in this pro day. You talked about the smile and, and being a good team guy, team building guy, right? I heard that too from some of the reports, cough Twitter as well. What have you personally seen kind of improve over those three snapshots you've had of Malik Willis? the consistent
0: power, the consistent strength downfield because he's been showing this long arm. We saw the long arm at the Senior Bowl. We saw the opportunities at the Combine. But the sheer power, and I keep using power, and people maybe talk about his velocity or strength, but the sheer power that he used in these throws, like there was one drop all day. There was a couple throws that were a little off target. Maybe they were a little high, a little outside, but everyone caught him except for one throw. One throw to Trey Turner. And I don't want to be dramatic, but it hit him so hard in the chest. It was a very poor attempt of a catch but because he, he went up. It was like right here. He went up to catch it with his hands like this instead of like this, right? He went up here, and he jumped. He, like, overjumped it, and this ball hit him in the chest, and, you know, we're standing 30 yards away. And you could hear it like a, like a baseball mitt when the ball hits the mitt. Dunk. And you could hear it pop his chest. And he goes up, hits his chest, he falls ball goes I was like oh it was the only time the ball touched the ground all day but I mean the sheer power that Malik has behind these throws and the accuracy with these out routes and these 10-yard digs and everything everything in the middle quadrants made me very happy today because that was the question I had I knew he had the big arm we knew he had the big arm even he had a 62 yarder before the the viral one that's out there now that was 65 to finish practice that was the last one to finish uh the downfield work There was a 62 yarder about 10 attempts before that and it fluttered and it fluttered like a duck in the sky, but it still came out with power and it still went 62 yards. And I was like, if he flattens that thing out, we're talking about a 70 plus yard bomb. Um, So I was very, very impressed with just his overall arm strength.
1: Okay. So arm, you said the arm power is the power of his arm, three instances, better and better and better each time. Okay. That's good to know.
0: And then, like, other other than other than him,
1: there was a few guys here
0: um, that I will just throw names out there on. And obviously, they're going to be lesser known. They're from Liberty. One guy's from Richmond. Obviously, Trey Turner from Virginia Tech. I mentioned him a minute ago. Um, uh, he actually, funny, funny story with Trey Turner. Um, the Virginia Tech pro day got moved back to 3 o'clock today. I'm not even sure if Trey made that. Uh, but he went from Virginia Tech, like I just said, their pro day was today. And Liberty's pro day was today. He forgo he forgot whatever the word is. He left his own pro day at Virginia Tech to go to Liberty to throw to receive with Malik. Like that is pretty crazy for to see a guy leave an ACC school for a pro day to go to a Liberty that spent FBS for a couple of years. But so Trey Turner was there. Johnny Johnson, wide receiver from Richmond, he was there. He looked solid. He tested out well. Uh, Jod Sanders is going to be a late round guy, you know, a seventh seventh round undrafted type of guy. I'm going to go back and watch a little bit more. Johnny Huntley, a tight end, he came in and looked very well. He had a great body type for a tight end. He had 14 reps on the bench, 29 and a half inch vertical, and I believe he jumped nine. He, he broad jumped nine eight eleven. He broad jumped eight eleven. Um, Kevin Shea, I I clocked him at four four three one. This guy had a 38 inch vertical. Um, he was jumping out the gym this guy he was a little guy i believe Shea was like i don't know what he was 170 i, I think i wrote it down uh 166 59 and a half, 166 so he's on the extreme light end but again 431 he's going to correlate to around a four three six, four three seven area uh jumped out the building uh, another guy was sky thomas sky thomas and story jackson are probably my two favorite defenders uh from this day sky thomas just had this you remember with Kenneth Walker at the combine, just like when he's running, it was like, <laughs> like it's just the, the energy was there at all times. And they like, they're doing the short shuttle and he's just like tweaking out the whole time. He's just alpha power, like completely going nuts. Like do even the, doing the vertical. Like you think it's like, Oh, he's doing the vertical you jump and touch done. He would like jump and like smack the shit out of the thing, you know, the tower and then come down and like bump into it. And I'm like, just jump straight up and touch it and come down. And he was just like, everything was just like, you know, a bull in a china shop, just knocking shit over. Uh, Story Jackson, I think, is going to be the biggest riser. And and Duran Lowe. Duran Lowe was getting looked at heavily by Pittsburgh. Um, He's a a very strong, very powerful cornerback. And then Story Jackson was, I mean, he was the alpha in the room, I think, other than Malik Willis. He just walked around, no shirt on, just jacked out of his mind. Um, very, very looking looking forward to go look at Story Jackson because he's got an awesome name. First off, Story Jackson um, ran very well and looked very good in the testing. And Dallas, uh, they had Dallas's linebacker coach was there, so um, that's the only linebacker that I really saw that was of consequence. So, if you're out there and you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, maybe take a look at Story Jackson. So, those are the couple guys that I came away with um, from the Liberty Pro Day. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about any of those guys. Otherwise, I think there's this other Pro Day that happened on. The southern part of the United States that uh, I don't know if it happened in the southern part of the United States or in like Antarctica or where the hell it took place. But uh, you you want to jump into some of these numbers here?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it could have taken place somewhere where they were running on water or swimming instead. I'm not really sure. Uh, some of the numbers are just absolutely abysmal. And if you don't know by now, we're talking about the Texas A&M Pro Day. <laughs> Where we, we warned these uh, people. We warned these people about this pro day too. We warned we, them. We knew it, and then, and then, and then, you know, like we also thought afterwards. Right? We talked about this in the pre-show that after Isaiah Spiller's time comes out, we'd hear, "Oh, he was running with a hamstring injury," or "Oh, he was tired or sore," or some other excuse to explain, you know, why guys were walking faster than him. On his forty time, just jump into some of the numbers, Cody. What do you got for us? Let people know what some of these forty numbers were. I mean, you guys saw the comps come out. The comps came out on player profile. We're just so
0: damn good. The system is so damn dialed in. TJ Yeldon is the close comparable for Isaiah Spiller right now. I was talking about uh, David Montgomery, but when you go to TJ Spil- TJ T. Yeldon's page, four six one forty yard dash. And now we pull up this number with Isaiah Spiller, 463 per Jane Slater. I don't know if these are official yet because I was not at the Texas A&M Pro Day. 463 40 yard dash for one Isaiah Spiller. And people are already coming out defending him, saying that's perfectly fine for what he is. Uh, but I'm telling you what he is. And I talked about this after the combine, and we discussed Isaiah Spiller heavily uh, because he is the Master Beta. And this, that sounded like something else, but I said Master Beta. The master beta of this class, the guy you do not want is Isaiah Spiller. People are, are 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 double downing on these takes of Isaiah Spiller being that dude. When the difference between him and Rashad White is Rashad White is better in all facets. The only thing is Spiller's younger. And then we saw Rashad White show up at the combine and run that four four nine real time at the combine, and Spiller four six three, point one four slower than Rashad White. So I am. Fucking all hands in on Rashad White being no RB three ahead of Isaiah Spiller, um, and I, I, I'm i done with that conversation.
1: No, I I don't understand what some of these stands online are are, are seeing. I know they're watching game film. They're claiming he's gonna have lateral quickness that isn't being captured, or he's gonna have the ability to make a couple moves on guys before he gets to the next level. And it's dude. If you can't get straight line speed, you can't be fast enough to make those moves on people. Even if you have the mentals there, right, to see the cuts before they happen, that guy's going. That linebacker, that CD's going to be there faster than you expect him to be at the NFL level. Like at the college level, sure, but okay, that's fine. You can have that the, that high mental you know, clarity, high ability to see holes before they open, ability to to make guys miss laterally if you need to. The NFL, they're just going to catch up to you. What could have been eight or ten yards at the college level is now three, two, you know. Those gaps are going to close so much quicker now because you can't hit the gap and and burst. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to share my
0: screen really quickly for those on YouTube, for those on the audio, you're missing out. But uh, can you read this screen right here, Andy, uh, with some of these comparables? So if, if you're not familiar, you guys listening, this is the NFL Draft Guide that can be found on playerprofile.com. You go to the homepage, and you type in your email, and it will we'll send you this PDF for free. This is over 100 pages of, of, of work from all of us here at the Underworld. Uh, we throw comps in here. We got draft grades. We got uh, total yard projections, weight, height, a bio from Andy. Uh, top comparables, a playstyle comp for me, workout metrics if they ran, but unfortunately Isaiah Spiller did not. So Isaiah Spiller comes in with a 6'90 draft grade. And when you look at these top comparables, Andy, which one of these guys do you think is the best career arc uh, for an Isaiah Spiller? If you had to say one right now, TJ Yeldon, David Montgomery, Arian Foster, Travis Etienne, Kareem Hunt, or my playstyle comp, Devin Singletary.
1: Okay, so I'll tell you this. So the best best one, and then I'll give you the one that you'd prefer to have now. So best best player arc is obviously Kareem Hunt, right? Because we had that blow-up season, a couple of seasons on the Chiefs where he was really, really electric. I'd say number two is probably either a tie between Travis Etienne, because we think he's going to be electric this year, and Dave Montgomery. But that's, again, his upside is... Probably closer to Devin Singletary, who was only good during the playoffs this year, or leading up to the playoffs. Didn't really do much for you during the regular season in fantasy. So what do you do in drafting that guy when he's going to end up going to some NFL team? He's going to be in the middle of a committee. He's not the fastest guy in the committee. He's probably going to be the biggest guy in the committee. So we're banking on touchdowns now. And if he doesn't go to a top 15 offense that's pretty efficient, you basically just sunk sunk the one oh, what? 103, 104, 105. I mean, you're, you sunk a first-round pick on, on a guy that isn't going to get you anything.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm not, I don't feel good about that because it literally feels like that David Montgomery situation where the odds he does something for you are good. Like, he's going to do something for you. But even that, the beta mindset hurts that even more because that's like... I don't know, just like tell me the mixture between Montgomery and, and, and Singletary uh, because Montgomery is what Isaiah is from a body type standpoint. He can catch the ball. He can do everything. And then Singletary from a play style and a mental fortitude, I just, again, I, again like you said, like what's that going to do for me when you have a Kenneth Walker and a Brees Hall ahead? I'm, I don't want to use that 103 on a guy like that. It's just, it's just It's just not something that I want to devote my energy to.
1: Yeah, no, and, and speaking of a, another guy that looked like he was going to be electric, but came in and, and just absolutely shut the bed in the 40 time, Jalen Watermeyer. How how far does he fall down in the rankings now? With this, this running, a, a am I seeing here, Jane Slater has a 503 40 time. How far does he fall for you, Cody?
0: It's a good-ass question because I did not see a five-zero-three coming. Uh, the guy that I talked about him being comparable to, uh, from a play style, is that is that Greg Olson, Martellus Bennett play style. And I, 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 I to be honest with you, when I got home from um, from Liberty, and I saw this five-zero-three come across, I like double-take at it. And I was like, that, that can't be right. Something's got to be off here. Something like something's something's off because he doesn't look five-zero-three slow. But he doesn't look four five fast like Greg Olsen ran a four five one. Martellus Bennett wins a four six three. Like I expected it to be four seven nine, four eight four. Like that's fine. Five zero plus, dude. Five zero plus. Like there was guys today that weighed three hundred plus pounds at this pro day, uh, at Liberty of all places. Like I was. There was there was guys that ran faster than that, and they weighed three hundred plus pounds. I just don't understand how a skill guy can run a five zero in any in any workout. I I, I am I'm really not. I so I have wentamer. I had him fourth overall in my draft grades with a six point eight four, and uh, I think from an athleticism standpoint, um, we didn't have any athleticism from him at the combine. So I had him in as a as like a seventieth percentile athlete, which I thought was a good spot. But now if I put him in here. As like as a 25th percentile athlete, uh, we're talking about his grade uh, automatically dropping down to like a 5.35, 5.4 area that literally drops him down into the Jeremy Ruckert, Austin Allen area uh, in my draft grades. Uh, Because, again, the draft grades are not like I don't watch stuff and then put in 6.62. It's a culmination of like multiple things. And athletics is part of that. Right. So when you adjust that athletic grade. It adjusts overall and he drops for me from four. Real time grade, real time. I'm changing this right now. His athletic grade from 70th percentile to 25th percentile. We're talking dropping him from Grant Calcaterra, Isaiah Likely down to the Cole Turner, Jeremy Rucker tier. And
1: and Jeremy Rucker's only down there because he hasn't tested yet, right?
0: Jeremy Rucker's down there because he hasn't tested. I have him currently slated as about a 50% athlete, uh, 50th percentile athlete, um, and. And yeah, there's just a lot of different things that haven't been answered with Jeremy Rucker. That's why I have him so low uh, for the NFL draft rate. And you're talking about a guy that didn't have a lot of uh, output in college, so that also hurts him. But again, uh, a lot of what Ruckert, a lot of Ruckert's profile is built on hypotheticals and what we think can happen uh, from how he uses his body. So again, it's not like a bad thing for him to be next to Rucker. It's more so Rucker just hasn't elevated himself. marriage just brought himself down. Like, Ruckert's a guy that could jump into that top eight. Weitermeyer pretty much just, like, mailed his ticket, I'm not going top, like, you know. Like, this was, we talked about this before the show, like, this was one time thought of being, I think the highest I ever saw him in a mock draft was, like, last, you know, June, July, maybe. I think I saw him going, like, 17th overall to the Cowboys. Like, uh, at one time, a literal top 20 NFL draft pick at tight end, and now he runs a 5-0. Five, like millions of dollars, m- millions, like a career, like a career. Unless, unless he literally ran on a torn ACL. Like we're talking about the possibility of him. You know, I haven't even looked at the numbers yet to see how, how, what his percentile is going to be on player profile. But I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be good. Especially when DeMarvin Leal, who weighs 300 pounds, the defensive lineman runs a five Oh four or, or, you know, like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there man. It speaking of the, the draft grade Cody, where where can people check out the draft grades that you have all together? Right? You have got a list somewhere, right? So
0: the so the draft grade uh just got just got dropped on player Profiler. You can go to uh, the article section on playerprofile.com and just type in Big Board or Top 300 or type in Cody Carpentier. Uh, the Top 300 NFL Draft Big Board was just released. I've been doing small segment shows on YouTube, on this YouTube channel if you're watching, uh, called Draft Talk or Draft Talk Live, dra- breaking down position by position. But the overall Top 300 is on Player Profile right now. You can go find that in the article section. The draft grades are explained, you know what's a what's an 8.33 mean? an 8.33 is in the fourth tier. Uh, that's a year one starter with first round talent. I have it broken down by top three, top 10, second round, third round developmental, boom bust, priority free agents, undrafted, unlikely to make the roster, things like that. Uh, kind of what else goes into it from the film. The athletic profile, the dog rating, uh, the role in college versus the NFL and how it translates, things like that. You can go find all that stuff out on uh, the big board. It's it, This is different than the formal word, the big board on player profile. That used to be the Dynasty Deluxe. That is now called the NFL Mock Draft Index. That is where we have a culmination of mock drafts from across the industry. This is my personal top 300 big board for this 2022 NFL draft. So you can go check that out there. I'll have that linked In the description on YouTube and the description on the podcast.
1: Yeah, this is what the NFL scouts need to be. They need to stop watching Daniel Jeremiah. They need to stop watching Mike Garoffalo. They need to stop watching all these clowns from these different shows. Start listening to Cody Carpentier. They need to download Dynasty Deluxe, get the rookie guide, go to Player Profiler, get your top 300 up, and start drafting according to that. Because, because, it, yeah, this is electric. Looking at this, I'm disappointed at how far, uh, Sam Howell has fallen. He's he's my guy. You know, I'm a Sam Howell stand now, um, but I respect it. Uh, it's it's explained very diligently how you came to the conclusion you came to for some of these guys. I love it. Are you talking
0: about Sam Howell on the big board?
1: Yeah, I'm talking about Sam Howell on your top three. Your, your 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 yeah, the big board, the three. So the, yeah. so the thing you take away with the big board is that. A
0: lot of people are going to jump at me and be like, well, why the hell are all these quarterbacks so low? And it, it kind of goes with what you just said about Sam Howell. And it's like, you know I like Sam Howell, right? Um, so if we look at just quarterbacks, if I control V, it's – it's um, I got Malik Willis, 29th. And that is a late first, early second round draft grade with a 7.75. A 7.75 is a year one starter, late first, early second. Right. He's on that borderline of year one starter year two upside, because I think he needs some time, but I think he can start in year one. But again, a 7.75 29th overall tells you what. He's not that number one, over because if he was on Trevor Lawrence's level, Lawrence would be in that you know nine four nine five range. Willis just isn't on that level. And then you talk about the overall rest of the class, and we talked about this the other night. Uh can't remember who I was talking to, maybe Aaron or Matt or something, but all these quarterbacks literally like 10 out of 14 quarterbacks one of the players that's consistently in their top 5 comparables like literally like 10 out of these 14 quarterbacks they all have Andy Dalton inside their top 5 comparables it makes it's ludicrous but that like defines this class of just being uh, that mediocre, but again, I, like you know, I like Sam Howell a lot. 7.20 uh, grade just puts him just outside that year two upside one. I think he's a guy that can come in and play right away. It puts him in that boom bust range of a third round talent, but just on the just barely into that. So it's like a, a, a late round two, early round three grade, but that's a lot different than what the NFL draft will happen, right? I, I could have Malik Wills with a late first, early second grade. But I still think he's going to go top five. Like that's that's two whole entirely different things. It's just my grade. If I was the GM, how would I grade these prospects? And uh, not necessarily how I would draft them because that a lot of those things move and shake differently. But but yes, uh, I, I wanted to go back to the thing you brought up a minute ago, which was uh, good old DJ Danny J Daniel Jeremiah from the old NFL Network decided. I need your reaction to this because he decided to drop a mock at 4 p.m. Eastern. When the Malik Willis Pro Day ended at 2.15 Eastern, so he had an hour and 45 minutes to change his mind to make any edits that he pleased. And he didn't make a damn edit on this mock draft. And he released a mock with Malik Willis not in the first round. I repeat, Daniel Jeremiah released a mock an hour ago with Malik Willis nowhere to be seen. (laughs) Nowhere
1: to be seen. I got nothing. That's a hot take. It's a, it's a hot take from Jer- Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, considering the fact that you listen to some of the sh- our old shows, right, where we talked, we recap the Senior Bowl, the recap you got you did the roster watch guys, uh, where everyone's talking about how um, Mike Tomlin is looking at this guy, right? He's talking to the Senior Bowl. He can't leave him alone. He's talking to the Combine. He can't leave him alone there, you know. And then you mentioned, you know, earlier today too hey, all he's doing is talking to this guy over and over again. There's three instances in a row where he's chatting him up, and and the Steelers have a a first-round pick. It's like they don't have a quarterback. They got pretty solid positions across the board everywhere else. I mean, O-line probably needs a little bit of help, but to not have him in your top 32, what a fucking hot take. Bordering on bullshit take. (laughs) I,
0: I just don't get it, and the, and the best part is the guy wasn't even at the pro day today. So I, I'm there. There's no DJ sh- anywhere. Todd McShay is there. Ian Rappaport's there. Steve Weich is there. Uh, uh, Christian Ponder and Sam Ponder were there for all for goddamn, but uh, but uh, but Daniel Jeremiah wasn't, um, and he comes out with this hot take with you know Scott Fitterer, GM Carolina Panthers, Kevin Colbert, GM Pittsburgh Steelers, Terry Fontenot, GM Atlanta Falcons. We had Mike Tomlin, head coach, Pittsburgh Steelers. We had head coach, um, uh, who else was there, head coach, Matt Rule, Carolina Panthers, Ben McAdoo, offensive coordinator, Carolina Panthers, so everyone, GM, head coach of OC from Carolina, VP of football from Washington, Martin Herney was there, the quarterback coaches from Seattle, Baltimore, Atlanta were all there, the directors of player personnel from Atlanta and Detroit were there. Like, what do you, what do you, the head coach or the quarterbacks coach from New York Giants was there, Shea Tierney. Like, these guys were all there. I was rubbing elbows with all of them. I I know they were there. Like, we're talking, you know, five quarterback coaches. We're talking three GMs, three head coaches, a couple players, VPs of football from teams that are in the top, you know, Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle's up there, Uh, Pittsburgh's at 20, Pittsburgh's going to have to move. And then I walk out. So this is the best part. So the, the, the thing gets over. And my phone died in like five hours. It died, hundred percent, hundred percent to zero. Um, I don't even know if I would have pulled the thing out in front of Matt Rule or not. But it just kind of happened. One of those things where we walked out the door at the same time. I held the door open for him. He comes out, and I kind of bump him. You know, I open the door for him. I was like, he, what? he goes, thanks. I bump on the back. I go, so you can you can draft Willis or what? And it was, he kind of got like that. It wasn't like an annoyed response, but it's just like, why are you talking? Why, like, why why are you bumping into me, right? He's like, ah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. And I was like, ah, and I just thought that I thought it was ended there. But I took like a couple more steps, and we just happened to be like walking side by side to the cars because we we're all parked in the same parking lot. And he's like, I don't even know if he's gonna be there. And that's the response I was waiting for because he's like, ah, I don't know. And I was like, oh, shit, great, I got nothing. And then he's like, I don't know if he's gonna be there. And I was like, Shh, that's what I'm talking. Like, he's drafting at six, and he's not sure if Willis is gonna be there. I, I wouldn't be so sure if you know, because we've seen the Detroit talk. Uh, the D- D- Detroit's uh, VP of Football was there today. It wouldn't surprise me if um, those conversations happen today with Detroit. Uh, maybe Detroit trades back. Um, I don't know really. I uh, can't remember off offhand. You know Belke's history of trading back in drafts. Um, but if Belke doesn't, it doesn't really matter. If Detroit's willing to trade back, and Detroit's willing to wait till next year to get their quarterback. That's that's an opportunity for a team like a Pittsburgh or an Atlanta to move up and jump over Carolina because Carolina seems to be in the driver's seat right now unless somebody jumps over them, and I think Atlanta and Pittsburgh would be the two teams to do it. Uh, but Carolina seems very very interested in in what Malik Willis had today. So having but anyway back to the start of this is Daniel Jeremiah not having him in the top thirty two was complete fucking fugazi dude. I, I I just do not understand it one lick. And if that happens. What do they say I'll eat my shoe? I'll eat my fucking shoe. I I I'll, I'll do I'll do I'll scoop a pre-workout with a beer and I'll do a scoop of pre-workout beer shoey if Malik Willis does not go round 1. <laughs> on live future cast. I,
1: I couldn't I couldn't imagine him not going round 1. I, I mean here's here's the thing that I think gets confusing for folks, right? Is you hear we got where we think people are going to go in fantasy drafts. Then we hear where GMs and coaches want to take guys, they're talking about taking guys, right? They're playing the whole war games with each other, right? Oh, we're going to move up. Oh, I don't think he'll be there, all that. And then we have, you know, the the mock draft board. And then we've got, you know, the NFL draft big board, top 300 that are coming out. And I think what happens is we all kind of get excited as the draft's kind of getting closer. We're all like, well... Somebody said he's going to go top five, and I know if at the 101 that I should take him or Brees Hall in my rookie Superflex draft. And you start to get those things start to of mesh and confuse folks, right, as they start to see together. And then someone says, well, no, he's going to go top 32, probably closer to the end of that, maybe even. But now there's folks saying that he may go in the top 10, within the top 10, you know. But you'll see a range of grades there from you and some, from the other folks that do some of these mock drafts that like, hey, he maybe isn't worth – a top five pick like other quarterbacks are worth a top five pick, right? I just think it. folks need to kind of think through what you're looking at and put it in the context of what it is that the information you're looking at represents, right? Is it fantasy? Is it overall grades based on that particular grader? Or is it real scenario, here's what we're hearing teams want to, to draft at that position? So, just wanted to bring that point up there.
0: Yeah, 100% agree with that. Um, and I think it's a very interesting point that um, that's a lot of what we see on Twitter is these people that maybe don't have their hands as deep into the draft game as they do in the fantasy game, and they just think, well, because I'm a fantasy analyst, uh, I could do drafts. I could do mock drafts. It's my mock draft. Oh, yeah, I did my mock draft Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's not that's not this game. This game is an entirely different asset. That's why when you see people talk about you know Burks is the the, the receiver one, but there's 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 just like hardly anybody in the NFL circles that has Burks as wide receiver one. Just just the way it is. But if I told you that, people are gonna be like they're gonna light a fire and you run around with a fork. You know, like all you've heard is Traylon Burks is wide receiver one. But on the NFL side, it's not like that because NFL is a little bit different. And you know, in fantasy, we're looking for that extreme upside that can that can be that DK Metcalf, that Randy Moss-esque type of thing, where the guy's going to go apeshit year one. He's going to be Chase. He's going to be Jefferson, and you know maybe Garrett Wilson and maybe uh, maybe Chris Olave aren't that beautiful for for some guys. Like I love Traylon Burks, but the NFL is different, so that that's the thing. But we can transition to another receiver. Uh, kind of in that same realm. And this is a guy we've talked about very much. Uh, I'll share my screen one more time. We can look at him. And that happens to be this guy named Bo Melton, who also had a pro day today. Uh, Bo Melton uh, popped up on the screen. I think Bo Melton, like we see here, Tyler Lockett is his closest comparable. Round three, oh five. 05. The screen just went off. There it is. I'll open it back up. So 305 was where Tyler Lockett went off. Bo Melton comes in, 5'11". Um, am I zoomed in? There we go. That's better. 5'11, 190. uh, 35th percentile arm length, 23 years old, 80th percentile college dominator, 92nd percentile college target share, 4'3'4. The comps are out. If you have not seen them on Player Profile, the comps are out. Go check them out. Uh, Bo Melton pulls the Tyler Lockett comp. Do you think we're going to see some Bo Melton going in round three?
1: Dude, I'm hoping he does. Like, he. That's the thing with Bo Melton. Like, wrote it up in the bio, wrote up a lot of the research for some of these guys that are maybe not super fast or didn't perform super well at the combine. Like, he's got pretty good target share, right? Almost 25% target share his last year at Rutgers. Shit quarterback play for six years. He's electric and dynamic at special teams, right? He's getting rush attempts, too. So he's literally getting the ball in all three facets of a game that receivers can possibly get without him playing, you know, on the other side of the ball. He's going to make, he, he's going to get onto the NFL team because he's going to represent value at special teams. Right. And if you get re- value at special teams, a lot of guys will go up, will, will move up to get you or we'll pick you earlier than you should go to play at your normal position that you're practicing at. And, all you're asking for for someone like Bo Melton who doesn't into the, the college production to back up how good he is is to get near the field. Then he gets on special teams. Then you see him out there in, in four wide receiver sets and then three wide receiver sets. And then guess what? He's he's actually really good because he's lightning fast. And he's, he's got phenomenal spatial awareness. I can't say good enough things about Bo Melton at all.
0: I love that. I'm just trying to share the screen. Here we go. So if you want to see these breakdowns, and again, the bio that Andy is referring to is right here in this guide. Again, if you want to see this player guide, 100 pages from Player Profiler, yours truly, and Andy, and Aaron, and Matt, and everybody, go right here, the home page. You see it right on the screen. See that where it says Rookie Guide? It's free. Plug your email in. Click the Get It Free button. Click download 100-page PDF at your fingertips right here, right now. And that is a lot to be thankful for, why it's free from Underdog Fantasy. Go to Underdog Fantasy today. Use that promo code UNDERWORLD. Get a deposit batch up to 100 freaking dollars. Get into the Superflex drafts. Get into the regular drafts. It's Superflex spring, almost Superflex summer. And we're drafting early and often on Underdog. We just did a podcast yesterday with Josh Larkey on the Codebreaker, and we talked about taking advantage of some values again with more and more of these rookies. Chris Olave going off at receiver four, receiver five uh, from the rookie standpoint down to like 130 on Underdog. He should be going off the board in the 80s and the 70s by Darnell Mooney and Hunter Renfro. That's where he should be getting drafted. Go reap that value. Go get Rashad White, who's going like way later in the 140s. Go get Rashad White, Tyler Goodson in the 18th round. Go get these guys. He's super freak athletes. Tyler Goodson, another guy you can check out in that rookie guide that is free. 100 page free guide playerprofile.com. Check it out. Then go to under, underdog.com. Then go to under <laughs> Then go to under Jesus Christ. Then go to underdogfantasy.com. Use a promo code underworld and draft Goodson, draft Melton, draft Olave and draft White all together Huh. i barely got that one out of me i barely got that one out of me but i'm here i'm alive and i don't know man i i just do you got any more takeaways about from these pro days today from from daniel jeremiah you want to talk about this top 300 a little bit any anybody that really uh pops off your eye at all uh in this top 300 i'll share it on the screen
1: so that, so the people can
0: see a little bit of it um
1: no, I was looking at this before, and this is where the point that I made where getting all those different sources kind of mixed together is what throws people off. So you see Chris Olave here, right? At, at number eight. And we talked about this a little bit in the pre show. Like, dude, what are you talking about? He's, he's, his prospect grade's only an eight, but he's going to go eight off the board. You're like, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean that he's being drafted eighth overall. It doesn't mean that he should be your first receiver going off the board in your super flex drafts or the first, uh, you know, player being drafted off that because he's the first offensive player. It's just this is where my personal prospect grade has him compared to the other prospects in this draft class. So I just wanted to go ahead and again kind of explain that because that was my first hand like, what the fuck? Yeah. But
0: that, and that makes sense. And a lot of people are going to ask, you know, what's the grades means? And that's kind of why I put up here, if you scroll up, uh, what the draft grades mean, the 8.63 puts him – uh, right in here, right inside the top 10 talent. Like he's going to be a year one stud, and that's not saying. And I and I discussed this a little bit last night with Josh. Was this, I'm not saying that this guy is Devonta Smith. I'm not saying this guy is Jamar Chase. But if you think about it, Devonta Smith was a route running savant. We're talking about Jamar Chase not being a great separator. Devonta Smith is a great separator. Smith is undersized. Chase is bulky. This is, he's a mixture. Now listen. He's not Jamar Chase, he's not Devonta Smith, and he doesn't have that talent level, but he's a mixture of these guys from a body type standpoint, speed standpoint, and he's a fantastic separator, the best route runner in this class, and arguably the best separator, even in the red zone, coming in at 6' foot tall, he's one of the best separators in this entire class. So when you look at the receiver position, he is clear-cut ahead of a lot of these guys. I have him at eight six three. the next best guy I have on this list comes down all the way to uh, Garrett Wilson at 8'0". And then we have London at 7-9. But, again, an 8-0 and a 7-9 are not bad either. An 8-0 puts him in a first-round talent. A 7-9 is a late first-round talent. Um, and, I, and I really like where those spots are at. But, again, it's – it's uh, Olave does jump off the screen. Um, one that did jump off the screen for me was uh, Brees Hall being as high as he is. Um, that Charles Cross was a little lower than expected. Uh, Kyrie Elam, a cornerback from Florida, Florida, has not gotten a very fair shake through this whole process Uh, Zion Johnson, a guy that did very, very well at the Senior Bowl, uh, comes in at number 22 overall. Sam Williams, another guy from Old Miss, he comes in at 27th overall. And then that first quarterback off the board, uh, on the big board, uh, is Malik Willis, like we talked about before, with a 7.75. But there's a lot of guys, if you dig deep in here, from the lineman standpoint, that that are a lot higher than consensus. A Tyler Smith from Tulsa, a Cole Strange from Chattanooga, just a big, barely- ugly guy I'll, I'll check i'll click on his screen check you just you gotta look at this guy's player page like uh, what are we talking about here look at this guy 30 you know 33 inch arms 65 307 80th for 80th percentile plus in all the workout metrics and he looks like frankenstein that's just a little sneak peek at what the, the top 300 looks like if you want to scroll all the way to the bottom see who's at the bottom uh we got a little uh dejon dixon cole kelly romeo Dubs, cj verdell Brock Purdy action. That's kind of what the bottom of that whole thing looks like. But uh, but anyway, yeah, that's the top 300. Uh, mock Draft 5.0 will be coming out later this week. Again, I wanted to get through this Liberty Pro Day. And I think what's been pushing it off is I wanted to release it about a week ago. Is Every single day the last week has been a trade, a free signing, a trade. It's always some big shit. So you got anything else for the good yeah. people, Andy?
1: Yeah, I'll leave you with one question that I that I had or I was thinking about today on my drive home. So we're seeing all these guys come out this year, you know, getting an extra year of the COVID year, right? And you're seeing a lot of these receivers and some of these running backs are a lot older than we've seen folks come out in previous years, right? Take Rashad White, take, uh, you know, Chris Olave, take Jahan Dotson, right? Dudes that could have came out maybe a year early but are coming out this year again with that extra year of eligibility. So we're getting them, you're getting them a little later. Do you think because we've seen success from receivers that are older and players that are older when they first entered the NFL, that this is now going to be the new theme is for folks to stay four years or five years and not come out early because they aren't you know, ready for that NFL speed or that NFL size yet. Do you think it's going to be something we're going to keep seeing or do you think this is just a one-time thing where there's a bunch of guys that are just older for one year? I think the age
0: thing is, is something that was discussed early on in the COVID process when they added this, this extra year of, of eligibility. Um, I, I don't know. It, it might take a couple of years for this COVID thing to catch up with everybody. But again, like you said, the age with this whole crew, um, I haven't looked at it, but the average age of these receivers has to be about 23. Um, and that's, that's obviously way, way above normal. But I, I do not see that happening. Because the more and more people want money and I and I guess another thing is you look at the NILs, like people are actually starting to get paid in college. Maybe to your point they maybe they'll start questioning, like, Yeah, maybe I'll just stay here and get my million dollars, you know, from the Waffle House just for uh you know, for pancaking players and and and, and doing whatever. Like if you're gonna get a million dollars to play college ball, maybe people Uh, are happy enough to do that you know so we could definitely see some things like that happening but i don't foresee it changing too much in the grand scheme of everything but it's a good point that i hadn't thought about
1: okay last thing for cody carpentier you're a college football player what's the first nil deal you sign with what's the first company that comes to you and says hey here's a check what is cody carpentier signing with come on the first
0: nil deal the Cody yeah. Carpentier signs defensive tackle from the University of Miami Cody Carpentier signs a deal <laughs> with Adam and Eve <laughs> that's the show At 4 p.m. Eastern, when the Malik Willis Pro Day ended at 2.15 Eastern, so he had an hour and 45 minutes to change his mind to make any edits that he pleased, and he didn't make a damn edit on this mock draft, and he released a mock with Malik Willis not in the first round. I repeat, Daniel Jeremiah released a mock an hour ago with Malik Willis nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. what do they say I'll eat my shoe I'll eat my fucking shoe I'll, I'll, I'll do I'll do I'll scoop a pre-workout with a beer and I'll do a scoop of pre-workout beer shoey if Malik Willis does not go round one on live future cast